Good evening. The title of this evening's um, Dharma talk is uh, Freedom from Extremes. And that uh, title, it's used in different places, but that comes from the, the King of Samadhi Sutra, or uh, Samadhi Raja Sutra, uh, I think third century text. And I'm going to read this. Uh, it says, uh, this is supposedly attributed to the Buddha. And uh, existence and non-existence are both extremes. Pure and impure are the same. Therefore, abandoning all extremes, the wise do not even abide in the middle. So one more time, existence and non-existence are both extremes. Pure and impure are the same. Therefore, abandoning all extremes, the wise do not even abide in the middle. So again, simple um, description of the, the Buddha's Dharma is the middle way, not too tight, not too loose. And, uh, and that shows up all over the place uh, in terms of whatever shows up, we, we push on those and we're a constant uh, kind of uh, being compromised by extremes that we try to reject. That's an extreme that we try to accept. That's a, a, an extreme. That's why I say don't accept it, don't reject it, don't do anything with it. You could just look at it. If you look at it, then you will probably see both sides of it. And then, as it says in the sutra, um, picking and choosing of the disease of the mind. I'm not saying that you couldn't decide on this as opposed to that, but it, it, if, it if it comes out of any kind of uh, uh, warfare or uh, intense uh, grasping or passion, aggression, ignorance, it's, it's motivated by hope and fear, then you're probably going to go to one side or the other. It seems necessary to watch this extreme behavior for a while before we interrupt it with some kind of a protocol for how we can stop grasping, stop rejecting, stop looking away. seems to be necessary to do it with our awareness so we, so we actually see uh, the nature of our mind, the, the way we keep objecting to this and agreeing with that, and running back and forth different ways. So again, not too tight, not too loose, but rather, and rather, l l just look at the polarities that show up in our own minds, in our own uh, experience of our mind sitting down, facing a wall, notice the way we lean this way, lean that way. We want this, we don't want that. We're looking for what? Something else, something else. You're actually looking at the middle way. But we're not what satisfied with that. We want something else to happen. We have uh, what boredom, perhaps, or uh, some kind of uh, tediousness about our lives. And rather than look at that tediousness, that just not wanting to be here, deal with this. Uh, I'm saying we want to abandon it altogether. We just want we want some entertainment. We want something to taste a little better, smell a little better, feel a little better, think a little better, want something else. Uh, this uh, is coming out of uh, beginning of time, and it is de dependently arisen. The whole idea of dependent origination, if it's seen for what it is, even that is not true. When I say not true, pardon me, it doesn't fundamentally exist because it is dependently arisen. Uh, anytime you have uh, something that is dependent on everything else, you have a an elaboration that if seen as it is, if seen, shall we say correctly, you're actually seeing, uh, understanding, perceiving emptiness. 
because it doesn't have a, an independent existence. Nothing has an independent existence. Even the Buddha, the Buddha's Dharma, these are all concepts, ideas. These are all empty of what they seem to be. Questions are good if you have them. I realize I just got started, but good to interact. I've been teaching or t having interviews all day long, so give me some help here. Could yes. you read that uh, again, I please? I can. So this is, uh, as I said, third century. Um, this is uh, studied in some areas. Uh, this also, another thing about this uh, sutra, this is the sutra in which the first Karmapa, uh, Jusam Kempa, uh, who, who lived uh, in most of the 11th century, uh, his, uh, uh, there was a, a Tathagata who, who was uh, going to roar like a lion. And, and uh, it is said that that, that was a, you know, a prediction of his uh, a coming, even though it was several centuries later in the 11th century, that he showed up. Um, so, Samadhi Raja Sutra, words of the Buddha, existence and non-existence are both extremes. Existence, non-existence, life and death, up and down, back and forth. You can take all, any of the, any extreme is going to, uh, this will apply to. Pure and impure are the same. Therefore, abandoning all extremes, the wise do not even abide in the middle, even though it's called the middle way, but there's no abiding. This has a, a, a feeling uh, tenor or modality or resonance or fragrance, you use any of those, that uh, has no reference point. So it can show up as not being this, not being that, not being sure, um, not being unsure, polarities of all kinds, good and evil is the big one. Life and death, of course, is the, the biggest one, you could say. And to think, to believe, to accept one and reject the other, or go for one and get away from the other one. And, and it, it is saying in this uh, sutra, and I don't know what the original Sanskrit that it was in, uh, saying, um, abandoning all extremes. I don't know, maybe uh, abandoning, there might be other words for that. Maybe uh, perhaps uh, Chisho could help us with that. He could uh, maybe find out what, what, is, what word is being used there because it might not be exactly abandoning. It might show up differently as not particularly um, grasping or rejecting either direction rather than abandoning both of them. My way of talking about it is don't do anything. Don't abandon it. Don't accept it. Don't reject it. Don't look away. Don't do anything with it. Uh, to actually abandon it might seem a little bit more active than what I would recommend, but can't really argue with the Buddha, I guess. <laughs> Junchu has a question. She says, uh, you said if we observe rather than accept or reject, we will see both sides. Does everything have two sides? If it's something that has an, uh, has a, an alternate or has a, a polarity to it, more than likely. Like Junshu, uh, pure appearance, your name, uh, there's pure appearance, like it's mentioned here. Uh, pure and impure are the same. And so applying to your situation, anything you see arising that looks negative, anything you see that ar arises that looks positive, those are not uh, as separate from each other as you might think. It's just fundamentally pure, threefold purity. 
it's pure when it uh, uh, um, when it shows up. It, it's a it's pure as it hangs out, and it's pure as it vanishes. Shoto has a question. Shoto. He asks, what is the relationship between non-abiding and taking refuge? So taking refuge is you've heard that uh, life is suffering, the cause is wanting things to be different, and uh, the goal is cessation, and the path is a eightfold path or Shila Samadhi and Prajna, and you you listen to that and you want to understand how to how to go deeper into that, how to have an understanding that that the Buddha is uh, uh, describing, excuse me, as the noble eightfold path or noble the four noble truths rather. So so you actually just like going to sit down and face the wall, train your mind to see clearly, uh, exercise that part of the mind, and uh, uh, receiving refuge vow is is a, an actual situation that you work with a preceptor, so someone who's been working with this for a while and is part of the lineage of uh, teachers and students down through the centuries. And you yeah, actually have a ritualized way of doing that. So there's, it's like, kind of like signing on the dotted line, only not exactly. You're just saying, I'm going to do this and I want, I want some help doing this. So, and then there's a change, change of name, change of mark. So we do some things that are very relative to help us, uh, develop our understanding, our wisdom mind to see that, that uh, so that we can see and understand the teaching of freedom from extremes. So that we're actually liberated from the extremes of fear and death, existence, non-existence. And what was the other part of the question? The, what is the relationship belief? between non-abiding and taking refuge? Uh, uh, you Taking refuge is a path uh, leading to non-abiding. You can't just non-abide because that's ego. Ego loves that kind of dessert. It loves some kind of thing that can, so you can go and tell your friends that, you know, read the teachings of the Buddha. It's talking about non-abiding. Hey man, I've been doing that. I'm just not abiding anywhere. I'm just non-abiding. And your friends will say, wow, it's all right. How's that non-abiding coming? Pretty good. You got to work at it though, man. You know, we start to teach people about abiding. I'm not accusing you of anything. Jiuzan has a question. Certainly. He asks, how is it that freedom from extremes can show up as embodying an extreme? That's how it shows up. Uh, you can't, otherwise, you can't, there can't be freedom from extremes unless you see them. So you, you see that, you might embody it. You might be a, oh, well, you might, uh, ter- very negative, terrible thoughts might show up because they're dependently arisen. So you may have to you may have to spend some time with that. But if you understand this teaching and what it is pointing out at, then there there is a complete willingness to to do that. And one of the ways that we do that is we cut into the primary extreme of me and you guys, the the sword of Manjushri, as I talked about earlier today. We actually begin to see that and work on that no separation by actually attending to being aware of and seeing the way we continually separate out and and accuse or blame or credit or reward. And just to watch that polarity without adding to it, like uh, the idea of don't do that. Now, some teacher, some teaching, some teachers do this differently. They actually work a long time in the provisional area to try to get you to act uh, like a Buddha or act like, act more pure or do away with the impurities. 
it's um, not saying it's uh, wrong. It's just uh, I think it needs to be done with the awareness rather than with with uh, following rules, obeying uh, other people or other. Now, if you happen to have a, a teacher who is, teaches that way and you have a strong connection with this teacher, then I would say that's probably your path. Jinshu has another question. She asks, is the middle way an extreme? Uh, it's just a way of talking about it. We have to say something. So uh, whoever wrote the, the uh, Samadhi Raja Sutra and wrote down the words of the Buddha, apparently, um, have to say something about it. Life is suffering. You could say that teaching is an extreme, not just suffering. People will immediately say, well, not all the time. Well, you said, yes, it was. So that's an interesting area that we're shut down on. So, yes, there, there are going to be extremes, but this is a way of introducing you uh, to uh, the situation where you see that those extremes, uh, they get their meaning from each other. They are dependently arisen. So freedom from grasping at this and rejecting that, freedom from the tendency. We're not saying that that, that fire is hot and, uh, and water is cool. We're not saying there aren't differences. Of course there are. But it's about observing those and don't join, don't quit, don't do nothing with it, but just see it so that, so that that witnessing quality begins to see the fundamental nature of uh, pratitya samudpada or dependent origination, which is empty of a self and empty of an other. Why? Because it's it doesn't have any independent existence. It's dependent on everything else for its apparent existence or singularity. More? She has a follow-up question. Certainly. If we see a preference we have, would it be helpful to play with that by trying to desire or grasp at its opposite to try to see how they are not separate? So I wouldn't necessarily promote that, but I also, uh, if that shows up in your, I mean, you're been meditating for a few years, practice a lot. So if something, some uh, kind of a protocol or call an experiment or something like that, I would say yes. But I wouldn't say that to someone who is totally using their intellect or their mind to try to go into this material. It's somebody who has to have a strong awareness practice, shikantaza, or, or its equivalent, however you want to look at it. Somebody who's really training their mind to see clearly. Because otherwise, the tendency to grasp onto this and reject that is very subtle. When we do that, instead of just doing it and watching it, we do it and look for what? Results. Oh, it doesn't matter. Well, ego will settle for any result because if it sees something that's right or sees something that's wrong, it will take credit for seeing it. And then then what is happening there? And then there's the... the the, uh, the viewing of the situation, and then there's this, so that's the objectivity, and then there's the subjectivity. Uh, ego gets another little uh, paper-thin, onion-skin uh, level of credential. But ego doesn't need much. It can, it can, uh, it can survive on uh, water only. Kozan has a question. Kozan. There is a teaching attributed to Maitreya through a sangha called separation of the middle from extremes is this pointing at the same as freedom from extremes i think it is a different way of saying it yes uh shisho has a question yes is the witnessing the independent of pratikyat samatpada for a while when when there's first a witnessing of that there's a there, there's a since since we're embodied since there's a 
we have all these separate, apparently separate situations going on, then for a while until one actually sees what it is. You see, it's not separate. So that's why it's like uh, looking at yourself. Only it's not like looking at another person that looks like you. It's the, the very, the very seeing of it, the very smelling of the incense, the very seeing darkness outside the window, the very sound of the neighbor's car starting, the sound of a bird flying by. Not separate, has to be seen. And if it's seen, it's a, uh, it's, it's ordinary. I mean, it's it's unusual. It's unusual, but it's ordinary. Nothing special. It's just the truth. And that's why it's sometimes called the, uh, I think it was a, I can't think of who said it, Torch of Certainty. It's a clarity. It's a clarity about it that is so clear that you're certain of it. You're certain of what you see. Brad from Indiana has a question. Yes, Brad. What is a strong sitting practice? 24 hours a day. <laughs> So it would be different. That's a good question. I don't mean to make light of it. It, uh, it depends on who it is and how long they've been sitting. There's so many uh, causes and conditions that arise around that. Uh, a person who has a, is, um, has a mate and possibly has children or lots of other or a really busy job situation, a householder, we call them a um, householder yogi or yogini. Um, then might be, you know, half an hour a day might be quite a bit. So I would say if you have the time, probably a minimum of an hour a day and uh, a block set once a week would be good. If you don't live in a monastery, if you live in a monastery, you're just by the form. You're going to be practicing a lot more than that. But if you're on your own somewhere, which uh, I think you are, I know you have, uh, you're married and so on. So in your situation, I would just say, um, Quite often, I just generally say, well, you know, schedule it for, you know, I sit every day from 7 a.m. to 8, 8 a.m. and do that. And then maybe once a week or once every couple of weeks or, you know, you could set up a four hour block set. So you sit down, strike the bell and sit there for four hours or you uh, strike it when you start four hours later, you strike the bell again. And what you do in that time is mainly to try to meditate. But I always say I'm saying now we'll fight with it. Discipline is not about obeying anybody it is about acknowledging and respecting forms and that means this the form that is showing up in a, in, a, in a sore knee i had to learn all that the hard way in 1980 when i tried to make myself sit there because the person in front of me uh i think she, i think she was probably made of stone <laughs> because she would sit there literally for four or five hours without moving at all flat on a zabuton no cushion not move right in front of me so i tried to do that and uh so it's, it's, it's situational. It's different for each person, each person's form. Some people can sit very, very still for long periods. means nothing. When I say it means nothing, of course, it means something, but it, it doesn't mean that they're more awake, more enlightened, more disciplined than you are who are uh, who's being a, a wiggle worm. It's always about awareness. It's not about maintaining anything, including samadhi. If it's samadhi, you don't have to maintain it. If to maintain it, then it's a relative situation, which is not going to last. It's going down. You don't have to maintain the torch of certainty. Eric Wilson has a question. Eric. He asks, is ordinary slash seeing clearly the same as freedom to extremes? Well, I'm not following exactly what you're saying, but you, 
you might find yourself in situations that could conventionally be thought of extreme. And you might even be, uh, be aware of that extreme in, the, uh, in your situation. But very difficult to, if you're living uh, without struggle, and you're living without uh, following uh, any kind of greed or any kind of anger, you've, you've understood that in a deep level, then what you do may show up as uh, extreme to some people, but probably not to you. And sometimes uh, uh, in the Tibetan tradition, because they acknowledge when someone, uh, someone does have a deep uh, understanding of who they are, have a, an awakening, sometimes their activity is, can be quite bizarre. So it's sometimes called a crazy wisdom because it's it's not the apparent sanity or the pretentious sanity of ego. It is a fundamental sanity sanity of reality showing itself through a living being. And that can be outlandish. The Buddha was pretty outlandish when he left his kingdom of riches 2,500 years ago. Told his dad, as we know, or as we suspect, told his dad, I can't do this. I have to go uh, and went out uh, into the forest with his... Uh, uh, with his homies, and began to train train his mind. Sat went went without food. Sat on rocks. Probably all kinds of other bizarre things. Trying to understand what suffering was. Understand what sickness, aging, and death was. Because this is what he saw. Why is there sickness? Why is there aging? Why is there death? So it was an extreme from what he did, but from our point of view, it was crazy wisdom because he saw the craziness of his world, and he uh, he wanted to know the truth of that. But to the people who are laminated to it and fighting with it, and you know, they were just maintaining uh, their physical life, thinking it was a straight line when it was circular, right up until the time that they expired or died and went back into the elements. So, point of reference uh, as a reference point about that kind of craziness. I'm not sure if I've responded to your question as you asked it, but that's, that's what showed up. Don't do anything unless you have to. That way, uh, you don't give any. You won't give anybody all of your money, and you won't take all of somebody else's money. It's called the middle way. You're broke. <laughs> Kozan has another question. Certainly, she says freedom from extremes seems to describe a basic situation. What is the way to be free from extremes? To look at the bars in your in your personal prison. To look at them and see them for what they are, and and not don't get rid of them, don't cover them up. If you see pride, don't cover it up with shame. If you see shame, don't cover it up with pride. That's that's a, a very simple one. Polarity that freedom from you have. There's no pride. There's no shame. And somebody else might say there's humility, but you certainly wouldn't claim that. You wouldn't even claim lack of humility. You wouldn't claim anything. Just wa watch the mind. Sit down, hold still, and watch the way you keep objecting to yourself in some way and to others. If you're judging other people's activity, if you think they're wrong, <laughs> this is an extreme. Freedom from that is to see that happen, but don't attach to it. Don't detach from it, and don't ignore it. Passion, aggression, and ignorance. Very simple and very difficult formula to, formula to understand. Don't grasp onto it. Don't throw it away. Well, that's true. Oh, oh, no, that's not true. Or I'm not sure. I'm, I, don't know. I, th I think I have something else to do. Ignorance. Look right at it. Chisho has another question. Chisho. He asks, how do we practice not abiding in the middle during sitting practice? Don't worry about it. 
Just keep sitting. So if you find yourself, if you would uh, decide that you're abiding, you're probably not. And if it shows up, I'm like, hey, wait a minute here. For a while, I was extreme, and then I was the other extreme, and now I'm kind of abiding in the middle. Now that's an extreme. So you've heard me say it this way, Chisho and everybody else is if you if if you're doing this as it's being pointed out, you won't know it. You, uh, there will be no credential for it. You just won't have any questions in particular. We have time for more questions. Questions? I have a question. Yes, please. And I think you've already alluded to it uh, when you first uh, started your talk, but uh-huh. it seems like the world we're living in uh, now is is highly polarized yes. from one extreme to the other. And it's difficult to find the truth, it seems, in what's uh-huh. being brought forward in our political arena, in any of the arenas. So how do we approach those extremes without being caught up in them? So don't be too concerned about being caught up. Be concerned about training your mind, spend some time sitting down, doing nothing but just watching what your mind does. Don't accept it, don't reject, don't look away, as you've heard me say. And then when the extremes show up out in, you know, on whatever, MSNBC or the local radio station or in, in, in your neighbors or in your uh, whomever it may be. Uh, so far as you can, just observe that and receive it and notice how you add on to comments on what you're receiving. Uh, and it's not about getting rid of anything. It's not about joining the just whatever's showing up. Don't object. Don't agree. And don't look away. And in that way, it begins to clarify uh, the very mind, your mind, that is how you're looking. That's what, how you're looking, how you're receiving, what you're doing with it. It's very, very difficult uh, to not have a reaction towards things. I've never said that you shouldn't react. I've never said never lose your temper. Although in our precepts, the misunderstanding is there is don't get angry. Well, there's no way you can not you know, get it. be very aware of that anger and what's happening there. Just like it says, don't kill. You can't help but kill something. If you're going to live, you're going to kill something. And if you justify that by saying it doesn't have eyes, it doesn't have a mother, you're just lying to yourself. Because anything that's living is uh, what is being referred to. You should be more aware that you're going to need to kill. So you should be very careful how you go about doing it and very respectful to living things. And the same thing with uh, uh, politics. Be very respectful of what's going on because both, both sides are confused. Anytime there's polarity, if you see picking and choosing, you've got confusion. That doesn't mean you shouldn't vote, of course. You have to, we have to participate in the culture we live in. So do the best you can with, with the way things show up. <sighs> things have been pretty bad for a while. Yes, go ahead. Um, Shoto has another question. Shoto. He asks, does having no more questions mean we'll have answers? What was your Dharma name again? <laughs> was it Hozan Shodo? Yeah. Go back and look at your private name, Hozan. And uh, I would say yes and no. I have. Saying there's no questions is a way of teaching. It's not that you won't have questions. As uh, uh, Suzuki Roshi pointed out, and that long time ago, I think in a talk, 
and they made it the title of one of his collection of talks. Not always so. <laughs> you can't find something. It's always the case, even though a, a volcano will argue with you. I've been here millions of years. Junchu has another question. Junchu. If I watch myself constantly go from one extreme to the other, where is the freedom in that movement? It takes a while. It's called practice. So you come into this world just like a, uh, just like a little, little Rumi who lives at the monastery, the tiniest monk there. You know, he he's watch how he learns. He learns. He looks at something. He pushes on something. It moves over. He tries to sit on a truck that's too tiny, and he falls over. You know, he's looking at that. But then now, if his parents can just not meddle with him, protect him, but don't meddle him and don't pretend to teach him stuff, and it'll be uh, an interesting uh, situation to watch as he grows up. What is he, year and a half right now? In the same way, uh, look at what's happening. Look at the negativity. You, you've got as big a load of negativity as anybody does. Maybe more. I, I know you. <laughs> but the amazing thing is, is you're aware of that. And you can actually you can actually watch the way the negativity rises. And how tempting it is just to, to blame somebody for it. And you may have to do it. And you may have to blame your parents or uh, Shoto or blame someone else for how you feel. And they may be the trigger for that. But the fundamental situation is you're, you're responsible for your emotions. Nobody pours emotions into you. So you're responsible. And that means not to blame, but you have the, uh, the ability and, and uh, need to respond to that just as directly as possible. Just receive. Whatever shows up, be a good host, hostess, hoster. Kozan has another question. Go ahead, Kozan. Is it necessary to be aware of apparent extremes to be free of them? Yes, you have to go through uh, an understanding of relative truth. So, yes. And it starts, uh, the practice of that is a little bit. Basically, it's with your mind. You have to go within. Just use the obvious one. What looks like within. Until there isn't any within. There's just this. If you need it within, it shows up. If you need it without, it shows up. Everything is... Uh, uh, you're in charge of everything. You're responsible. For everything that happens is your fault. <laughs> you specifically. And what am I saying? I'm saying drive all blames into one. Drive. It's a, a teacher's seven points of mind training. It's one of the uh, relative truth, uh, relative bodhicitta, I think. Uh, just anything that happens, it's your fault. Take, take it. Take it. Instead of looking for... Who did that? Well, he said this, but I did this. With what? She, look what she's doing. Don't do it. And everyone's going to have to work with a slogan like that on different ways. Some people won't even do it. Some people need to work with other two, me and those guys. Keep the principal witness. Yours would be drive all blames into one, if I may say so. Brad from Indiana has another question. Yes, Brad. Actually, it's a two-part. What is polarity? What does that actually refer to? It's just a way of talking about the, the oppositions everywhere, the night and day uh, polar, polarized, um, this and that, up and down, back and forth, male and female, all kinds of polarities. There's polarities within polarities. There's it just, it seems that the polarizing part is what continues to uh, make uh, the, the wheel of samsara 
uh, continue to appear like it's something that's tumbling along through time and space. Time and space is a polarity, and it's, it's unreal. I mean, it has a reality, and if you think this is proof, I tap this, and that's that's an illusion. It's not that there wasn't something happening, a sound, but the, the very happening and the very perception of it, the entire uh, uh, situation itself is illusory. It doesn't last. It, and nothing has its own independence as a separate uh, good thing. There's always bad things. Uh, anytime you have a Buddha, you have sentient beings. Anytime you have sentient beings, you have Buddha. And uh, neither one of them fundamentally exist without that relationship. This is called the first teachings that the Buddha talked about, which had actually been around to some extent before he got there in the Indian tradition. Everything that is has an apparent singularity or identity, anything from, from you or, or your your job or your wife, or your teaching person, or your other students, friends, neighbors, dogs, cats, trees, buildings, rocks, repentant. They get their meaning from the polarized quality of things. You, you can go more deeply into that by uh, sitting down and watching the polarity in your own mind. That's the way to do it. You can see it out here pretty clearly, but in your own mind, um, in our consciousness, in our awareness, it's... The, the, the substrate of the belief system that I'm here, you're over there, and there's such a thing as life and death and right and wrong, is the very thing that's being addressed right here in uh, uh, existence and non-existence, the polarity there, pure and impure, all those polarities. Where do they start? Right here. In the, in the, you actually sit down and you can actually watch them. Uh, it's, you can start out by you think you're looking at a wall. It's very simple. Look again. Eric has another question. Eric. He said, uh, yes, thank you. You sometimes distinguish between freedom from and freedom to. Seems like seeing clearly would be synonymous with freedom to extremes. And he says the peepers sound amazing. Thank you. Yeah. You don't even have the window open. You can hear those peepers. They're keeping the fish and the frogs company. Well, they are frogs, though, aren't they? So... I think if you see that, then there's not going to be anything about it. And why? Because you're actually looking at yourself. You're, you're actually the, the quality of what the... So therefore, um, awareness doesn't belong to anyone. But the imputation, if we see something because we have eyes, because we have, um, we have a position in the room we're in or in the field or of the tree, or, we, 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 we strengthen that identity with someone, us, me. There's some kind of ongoing continuity that that is there, but it's still constantly changing. You know, one more wrinkle every day. Nothing lasts. If, it, if it's upsetting you, then th there's the attachment. But if you see it and just watch it come and go without any anything extra, then uh, middle way. Don't need any. Don't need to get anything. Don't need to get rid of anything. You don't want something else. Uh, to come, you don't want something else to leave, and the things that are uh, like the peepers, uh, just ignore them. They want to peep too. Rumi's mother has a question. Rumi's mother, I know her. Yes. When Rumi points at something and says, eh, and I name it, 
Am I meddling? Every time. I've, wa I've been watching you guys. And you, when, he, when he points at a toy truck, you say, truck. That's not helpful. Let him find that out. Let him name it. What do you mean by teaching? And when is teaching meddling? Uh, when you're teaching, uh, when you think you're a teacher and you're teaching, that's meddling. When the student comes to you and gives you permission, asks you, no matter what it is, teach me. I want, I want to learn this. Will you teach me this? Then you can say, you might say, well, here's what this involves. Uh, you, But I always say, if somebody asks me to function as their teacher, I might say a lot of things. But one of the things I say, give me the benefit of the doubt. That means if something goes, gets goofed up, or you see me functioning in a way that you, you don't approve of, or you think is wrong, come and talk to me about it. Give me the benefit of the doubt. At least come and say, it looks to me like you're doing this or doing that or confusing people. You're not really helping people or you're not really helping me. I've had people do that, but they didn't do it in a conversational voice. They yelled at me. So all over that, the whole teacher student situation should be mutual and not somebody uh, just because they have a stick. The, the teaching person gets his or her or their credential from the dynamic with the student. Sometimes that's uh, that that credential is uh, not exactly uh, true. Sometimes some people show up as teachers and they're charlatans because they want something from you. They don't want to help you. They want they want payment, and there's nothing wrong with payment. We should should pay. We should help. But in our situation, we, we call it Donna. So there's nothing is required. Chishou has another question. During the practice of just receiving, there doesn't seem to be a quality of extremes, just some events coming and going. What exactly is the middle in that practice? Uh, your question is the middle. That's the middle way. Just just what is this? Rather than this is this and that's that, and this should go away and this, I should have more of this. Uh, for that to show up in one's everyday life, this means the boundary between meditation and post-meditation has vanished. And you are compl completely not separate from anything. If there's ego mind left, there's still shreds of the self-centeredness left around. That can still get nervous because it, it doesn't like not knowing. It doesn't like not knowing this opposed to that. Or this is right, that's wrong. It's freaked out by it. So that's why sitting facing the wall trains you, bring, brings you through just reconditions you into a consciousness uh a human being with consciousness who is just going to watch what's happening rather than interfere with it. If you just watch what hap what's happening in your thoughts and your knee starts to hurt, I say, get up and rub your knee. Whereas some traditions say, sit there and sit through the pain. To me, this is just silly. Even though I did it, I was told to do that many years ago. And so I tried to do it and it didn't work out so well. So I would say, observe and pay attention to your body. Force nothing. Don't even force meditation. Uh, set up a form and then watch how much difficulty you have aligning yourself with the form rather than make yourself, rather than being some kind of a macho thing and making yourself sit there. As soon as you look for right and wrong, you know, you're back into extremes. There is no right and wrong. That's a misunderstanding. I don't, I'm not saying that somebody uh, that said they were going to uh, come into the monastery and, uh, and, keep a certain, uh, hold a certain form, but it's, it's not wrong if they don't do it. You might want to look and see 
what's up? What's up with that? Give them, give everybody the benefit of the doubt so that they can say, I forgot. That's pretty viable reason. Or say, uh, I woke up with a, a migraine or all of the various things. Since we have such good communication with our technology these days, it's um, pretty difficult to misunderstand somebody. We have um, one final question here from Shoto. Shoto, go ahead. He asks, um, is the Dharma Mountain, Hoizan, in my name a hurdle or something I trip over? No, it's that you already have the truth. You're a mountain, you're a huge guy, and, uh, and you have a really tiny mind. Not, not of the dinosaur variety. I'm saying it's, it's there and it's definite, but it's the mountain that's important in your situation. Just hold your seat. There isn't anything else but that for you, shining path. Yes, I had to go look them up. I didn't remember. Shall we close and dedicate the mirror? Yes, thank you. So, how, do you want to conduct it? Okay, Ponyo is going to conduct the dedication of the merit since we're all spread all over the place. Use that, yeah. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. Chi ho san chi i shi bu chi son bu san o ko sa mo ko ja ho mi the Ten Directions, the Three Worlds, all Buddhas, all Venerable Ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the Great Prajna, Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the Ten Directions and the Three Times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery our Sangha families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering, and fill them with light.